Hello, welcome to the Proskauer Benefits Briefs. This is a nuts and bolts of a management buyout, what management needs to know. And today uh, I'm being joined by Josh Miller. I'm Mike Album. We're both partners here at Proskauer. And we're going to discuss the second part of our series on nuts and bolts of a management buyout. We're going to go in today on the terms and process of the transaction. So the transaction, obviously the transaction starts when the PE sponsor and management think that the value is right and the time is right to have different bidders look at the company and consider buying the company. And the process can include one-on-one negotiations or it can include an auction process. Josh, talk a little bit about how, if there's a one-on-one process taking place, what are the elements of that, letters of intent, things like that, and then we can move to the auction process. Sure. Often you'll see a term sheet or a letter of intent, uh, usually non-binding, between management and the potential buyer. It'll outline key terms of the rollover, the equity structure from and after the investment, and typically will lay out other terms and conditions to which management's particularly interested. Those would include the incentive equity pool, terms and conditions of employment, treatment of retention bonuses, uh, governance rights, and so forth. We're going to get into some of the more specific terms that we would typically see in such a term sheet in a later podcast in this series. Right. So I think, you know, what we'll call the one-on-one process approach may be uh, resulting from personal contacts management has, perhaps with other PE firms, or PE firms selling to a PE firm may have contacts at the sponsor level. The key is generally it's a one-on-one process, and the auction process, in contrast, is a multi-ring circus, frankly. It can have three, four, five PE firms, often being run by an investment bank, submitting all types of documentation, often at the same time. They can have different timetables. The auction process is a real challenge for management. And Josh, why don't you talk about some of the things that management has to balance in an auction process, because it's very different from a one-on-one negotiation. As you said, there are multiple bids and the the bidders are submitting various types of documentation from a letter of intent or general term sheet to full markups of a purchase agreement, fund documents, equity compensation and employment term sheets for management, and really as much as they're willing to prepare. In some cases, sellers will like to see as much as possible. In other cases, they're willing to move forward on a more general high-level term sheet, particularly where the price is right. Right. So the challenge for management in these situations, one, the prospective bidders on the company want to learn as much as they can about the company as fast as they can. So there'll be a document room set up. Management is going to have to spend time getting all the documents together and overseeing production of all the documentation that the buyer is going to need to do for diligence. At the same time, there will have been prepared perhaps a merger agreement or the transaction document that then will be put out to all the parties involved in the auction, and they're going to look at that, and they're going to mark it up. So management and the outside lawyers are going to have to be focusing on comments that are coming in, working with the investment bankers, and corporate counsel, the counsel that is to the company and the sponsors, to determine whether uh, the legal changes that are being made are consistent with the way they want to sell the company. And now, finally, we get to the point, Josh, where management starts to say, hey, what about my own situation? What about my own economics? What about my future here after the closing? How do I and when do I start to address those within the context of this very busy activity that's taking place? That's a critical question for management. Typically, management's going to want to 
retain and engage outside counsel as soon as possible. Now, management counsel can stay behind the scenes, do its work with management without engaging bidders or their counsel, and surface at the right time. That gives management an opportunity to be out in front and address key terms and set management's expectations and positions early. The attorneys also can help manage the seller and the exit. There might be issues that still need to be addressed as part of the exit. Uh, that can include anything from a negotiation of transaction bonuses, the seller making good on promises or expectations that the management team had, or allocating equity compensation that had been reserved but never issued. Right, let me just jump in. I, I just want to make one observation. We as counsel to management, one of the first threshold issues we deal with is who is our client, who is management? And that goes back to which group are we going to be advising? And that's, a, again, a threshold issue for the CEO and his team. Usually we have represented a team. That team has consisted of the CEO, the CFO, the GC, perhaps a senior marketing person. But the people we represent, the team generally, it's not a large, broad-based team. And the decisions we make often have ramifications for other executives lower down the food chain. But the important point is, our group will be a smaller group who we're advising, and they will be the ones who have the ears of the sponsors selling, as well as the buyers negotiating. So that first threshold issue is to figure out who your management group is that your outside counsel are representing. That's right. The broader the team, you know, certainly there's issues that come about, internal conflicts, dealing with potential holdouts, individuals who won't agree to roll over, enter into new contracts such as non-competes or other restrictive covenants. There might other be people, you know, particularly in a strategic transaction, whose positions are redundant or will be eliminated. In that case, the team is going to have to deal with those conflict issues. It can be challenging for management counsel. It's a that. challenge. I mean, Josh is right, but we try to be as transparent as we can and we try to deal with the core members of our team in a strategic way. That goes back to the issue we raised earlier in one of the earlier podcasts, which is the earlier we get involved, the better, so we can work through these types of timelines and we can work with the senior management team to understand a range of things. I mean, even something as simple as what is their own inventory of compensation arrangements now? You know, that is a very critical issue to determine what they now have so they can understand their tax treatment when payment comes in on what they have, as well as structuring their future arrangements with the buyer. So again, timing is critical and getting your outside counsel involved with the management team early is critical. And as we talked about earlier, management can't do it all. They have to manage the day-to-day -day operation of the business in the ordinary course. They have to tend to matters related to the transaction itself, from documentation to financing, communications, roadshows, and so forth. And of course, their individual compensation. And that can't be something that distracts from the deal and their operational responsibilities, which is why having competent outside counsel is really so critical. It keeps the ball moving. You can leverage their expertise and focus on the key management responsibilities as they apply to the company itself. We'll close this podcast with just a practical observation of you know, who pays the fees of management's outside counsel. That's a matter, frankly, that can vary from deal to deal. Often the case that the corporation will pay, it'll come out of the corporation's general assets as part of a closing, whether that covers all the fees or not, and whether management is also putting some money in the pot to cover outside fees is another matter. But there are a lot of creative ways to structure the fees incurred by management, and management should not expect to cover it all by themselves out of their own pocket. 
So that'll end this podcast. And this, again, is part of a series. So we'll be coming back with another podcast shortly. For joining the Proscar Benefits Brief, stay tuned for more insights on the latest hot topics in management buyouts and executive comp in our subsequent podcast. And be sure to follow us on iTunes. Thank you.